At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare getting ready to take on spring make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools from hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. This is the Philadelphia CityCast with Ryan Rothstein, presented by Bet Rivers. All right, welcome back. Philadelphia City Cast presented by Bet River Sportsbook. I'm your host, Ryan Rothstein at Wise Rye on social media, W I S E R Y E. Happy Friday, everyone. July 22nd. Happy Phillies returning to baseball. That's a thing, right? If not, we just made it one. Phillies and the Cubbies kicking off game one of their three game set at Citizens Bank Park in Philadelphia Friday night. So, what better way to preview? this game, and this series than by doing it with host of the Chicago City cast and host of Rush Hour on VEASAN, Mr. Danny Burke. So Danny's going to be joining us. We'll, uh, like I said, we'll preview and dissect the Phillies and the Cubs. We'll get all the insight and all the updated information and news out in Chicago. We'll also look at the, the futures market in Major League Baseball We'll look at updated odds to make the playoffs. We'll talk some NFL uh, and dissect the Eagles and the Bears. All right, so it's going to be a fun, detailed, informative conversation with Danny. So let's not waste any time. Here's my conversation with Danny Burke. Enjoy. All right, so let's cross it over now with the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Danny Burke, host of your Chicago City Cast out in the windy city he also hosts some other show it's called rush hour or something i don't know i guess he can fill you in on those details uh but this is this is all about the city cast family all right uh i kid let's uh have some fun here with danny uh we'll talk some baseball and whatever else stumbles across our radar here on this friday morning at the time of recording danny what's going on man 
Not much, Ryan. Thanks for having me on, buddy. It's uh, it's always good, like you said, to get the crossover action going, and it might be a little bit better for one of us here, and I'm kind of looking at you because uh, your team may be in a little bit more favorable situation than mine, or at least you guys have some expectations and hopes for the second half of the season. Uh, not quite the same here in the Windy City for one team in particular. <laughs> Which team are you? The Cubs? Can't be the Cubs, can it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it might be uh, the North Side. What's up with here. them? Oh, man, it's it, it's rough. You know, um, I, I know you guys deal with a lot of this stuff there in Philadelphia. We always josh that we have the same kind of mentality when it comes to our sports teams. But with the Cubs, I mean, the front office is telling us, hey, it's not a rebuild. Come on, we brought over Marcus Stroman. We still got Wilson Contreras. Look at all these names that are pretty average. Wade Miley, Drew Smiley, by the way, haven't played because they've been injured. It's not a tank season. Well, clearly it is. Uh, the injuries have been abundant. Wilson Contreras is probably going to be dealt. Stroman has been injured too, and they're just not good. So uh, really at this point, Ryan, what I'm saying in the second half is the Cubs are a team that you just got to fade. And I keep saying it for particular pitchers and teams, but it's a fade, a fade away or stay away. Because even with some of these bad teams, Ryan, as you know, like in your division, um, you know, like at the Nationals, for example, but with the NL Central, like the Pirates, you have bad teams who are at least competitive because they're bringing up young prospects. The Cubs have none of that, right? They're just bad. <laughs> so they got to be a team that you're looking to fade or just don't get involved probably. No, I think it's a good point by you as we, you know, gear up for this quote, you know, second half. I know it just got underway a little bit, obviously, too, on Thursday. But coming back from the All-Star break, uh, and we get a feel for this as we get deeper into August and September, of course. But even right now and over the next couple of weeks, you know, which of those bad teams out of the, the list there are we fading or are, you know, because we know some of them can be a, a pain in the ass here as far as, right. Uh, you know, they're not just going to be a guaranteed win. Nothing is, but uh, pesky bad teams can still, you know, mess up our, our wagers. Yeah, absolutely. And I think in, you know, the first half of the season always tends to be volatile with some of these bad teams. A lot of times because they're still competing, they still think they have their playoff mm -hmm. chances. Like the Cubs had some good spots every now and then. I mean, a team like Oakland, you were pretty set to fade them from here on out. But now you get that stretch where it's like, all right, how are these borderline teams going to perform? Take maybe like a Miami Marlins squad, a Baltimore Orioles team. You know, those teams, their their desperation levels are at an all time high. So maybe you could get better value on those type of squads and better them whereas a team again like the Cubs you know there's no expectations same thing with the A's same things with the Nationals Royals Tigers mm -hmm. teams like that that just know there's no hope uh, guys may not still be on the team at the end of the year and that just it's going to be a full-on rebuild from the years on out not that they give up but look the camaraderie the swagger the mentality is different so hey if there's any way we can capitalize on it we'll try to seek it out Damn right we will. Let's uh let's look at this matchup here then. Friday night, Cubbies and the Phils. Cubs coming into Philadelphia at Citizens Bank Park, 7.05 p.m. Eastern time. Now here uh, in PA, Bet Rivers PA here, Danny. Phillies are your betting favorite, minus 125. Cubs at plus 106. You look at the run line, uh, Cubbies getting the one and a half priced at minus 190. Phillies laying the one and a half priced at plus 155 and the total is set at nine uh, priced at minus 106 towards the over minus 113 towards the under. Uh, I had 
I, I know Kyle Gibson's going for the Phillies. Who's slated to go for the for the Cubs? So it looks like Justin Steele's going to be starting. And uh, just to kind of give you a little background info on him. So he's a southpaw for anybody who doesn't know. And look, there's been a couple pitchers of not that much recognition, I guess you could say, that have been pretty serviceable. And Justin Steele's been one of them. The other's been Keegan Thompson. But these guys typically have been pitching better at Wrigley Field. But Justin Steele's last outing was brutal at Wrigley when six innings against Baltimore gave up six hits and four runs. They lost 7-1. to one. Uh, On the road, he's got a 586 ERA, but his FIP is actually better on the road than at home. It's at 315, so the expectation is that he should be doing better. But, hey, I mean, if the guy's bad, he's bad. And it's not just that he's been bad on the road, Ryan. I mean, this Cubs offense is probably going to be poor as well. But, yeah, I mean, he's got a 415 ERA. Uh, He's walking over four guys per nine innings, a 1.41 walks and hits per innings pitched. I I personally don't trust him too much in this spot. I know we'll get into it deeper, but look, he's a guy who can give you good starts, but he's not going to be a reliable guy if his offense isn't going to be backing him up. Interesting. And, you know, you look at Gibson, he's had, he's had a good year for, I guess, his standard or expectation. You look at his last two starts, though. Um, he went into St. Louis and pitched a gem, yeah. seven innings of shutout ball. Uh, only gave up two hits. Phillies win that game one nothing, uh, and then he goes up against Sandy Alcantara before the All Star break a week ago, uh, last Friday, and he went six innings, only went, uh, only gave up one earned. Excuse me, four hits. Phillies win that game two one. So he's been solid. He's has a four three ERA on the year, five and three record overall. But he's coming off of two really strong starts that were. Also, two important games that yeah. the Phillies had to get, and and Gibson's performance, um, you know, helped push that that to a W. So he's a guy where I say, all right, two really strong starts in a row. Are we really going to get a third? Uh, if we don't, what's this Phillies offense going to look like coming back from the break? So those are just a couple of the the questions I have. Yeah, you know, Gibson, like, this seems like it would be a really good spot for the Phillies. But, I mean, yeah. you, you talked about, what, Philadelphia being minus 125. The markets kind of moved against them. They opened up yeah. around minus 140 at Bad Rivers, it seems. So some people showing some love to the Cubs. And, again, I guess if you look at those underlying analytics, Steele maybe has the nod there because Gibson, you know, again, has been good in some starts. But, you know, he's he's in the higher FIP range, about 419. Yeah. and. You know, at home, he's got a 452 FIP, actually a better one on on the road. But, you know, uh, playing at home in Philly isn't necessarily always the easiest for pitchers. But again, Ryan, at the end of the day, even if his numbers are a little bit worse, if they were like insurmountably worse and we'd be having a different conversation. But when you have a pitcher who's at least got okay numbers against a Cubs pitcher who has, again, a little bit better okay numbers, if that's the way to put it, you, you got to put more stock in the home team, the team with better bats, and the team that desperately needs to win these types of games and series. So if anything, despite the line movement, I feel like the Phillies at a cheaper price like that because of all the, again, just necessity type of factors and just raw talent you'd still have to give them the nod despite maybe not having as much of a pitching advantage yeah no i think it's excellent insight by you and and i would agree i'm i'm going with the phillies here and especially at this number you know minus 125 right now uh you know we'll see how it we'll track it obviously throughout the day leading up to the first pitch but you know as of right now I'm, i'm good with pulling the trigger on minus 125 now for the listeners out there that 
maybe listening to you for the first time, shame on them if they are, Danny, but uh, for the very few that are, talk about your, this is a very open-ended uh, question that varies on answer, but uh, talk about your betting strategy in baseball and major league baseball. Like we're, we're breaking down uh, the money line. We're throwing in the total a little bit. We can get more into the total, but Obviously, it depends on opportunity, uh, the given matchup on a particular day. But are you more of a guy that says, I'm taking advantage of an opportunity with the total, the money line, uh, first five, no runs in the first inning? Like, what's your bread and butter if you have a particular category? Maybe you do all of the above. Yeah, you know, it definitely varies, but more often than not, I'm betting something revolving around the full game, and typically it's going to be money line. And if the money line price is too expensive or I just think there's good value on the run line, that's typically the next option. When it comes to totals, if I'm betting it over, it's more than likely going to be a full game, right? More innings, more opportunities to score, and hey, you potentially have extra innings where there's a guy in second, and the bullpens are vulnerable, as we know in Major League Baseball, to surrendering a lot of runs. So conversely, if I'm betting it under, I'm not looking to do full games. That's when I'll opt into the first five when in regards to a total. Uh, also, I'll do money lines for first fives because maybe you like a team with a great starting pitcher but their bullpen has just been completely unreliable and all over the place. I've had that situation happen a lot of times. I mean, the White Sox have been a prime example of that, whether it's I'm fading them and they're winning and then they blow it, and I'm like, thank you, White Sox bullpen. Or if I'm <laughs> trusting one of their starters, they do a good job, then they blow it, and I'm like, thank goodness I only did the first five. I think I've done that with the Blue Jays, too, a team that has kind of not the best bullpen. But, yeah, really, uh, it just depends on the situation, but it all comes down to the beginning to the starting pitchers. And that's when I throw out things like FIP, you know, fielding independent of pitching. It's more of the true indication of what the ERA should be. And what I like to do and what you should do if you're looking to handicap is correlate their ERA against their FIP. So for example, Justin Steele, he's got a 415 ERA. A lot of people look at that, they scoff a little bit because once you get into that four range, that's kind of like, oh, this guy's a little concerning. But then you look at his FIP, what his number maybe really should be at 3.40, and you're like, oh, that's a lot better. So again, maybe that's why the betting market also is putting some stock in Justin Steele. You can also look at his Sierra, the skill interactive ERA. Paul Spohr is a guy that I have on my show Rush Hour all the time, and I get all these numbers from fan graphs, and he's a podcaster and a writer there. And I'm like, you know, Paul, we have all these numbers, but what would you say the one you use the most when judging a pitcher or, you know, backing one or fading one. And he actually said Sierra. And, for example, Justin Steele's at 4.13. So this is more of a thing where you look back at his performances and you're like, okay, this is how he actually should have performed. Or this is what his ERA should be based on what you saw. Where FIP is more like, all right, this is what we can maybe expect in the future out of him. So really it's to each their own. I, I take into account both of them. Because if you see a big discrepancy, that kind of gives you that ding, ding, ding alert that, hey, I should trust this guy or fade this guy. And the markets are going to adjust to that nine times out of 10. But that's really how I look to do my process. I, I look at the starting pitching matchup, see if there's any discrepancies like that, that the public is maybe not even noticing. And it's not that I'm just straight fading the public, but it's something that a lot of casual betters in baseball don't consider. So I look at all those numbers, home and road splits, whip ERA, uh, WOBA, you know, just pretty much everything that you can look at. 
And then I'll look at, all right, how do these specific teams do with those splits? You know, how do the Phillies hit against lefties? Justin Steele, a lefty. And in particular, how do they hit against lefties at their home ballpark? Because you're going to be playing at your home ballpark more often than a random road team's ballpark. So you have to look at those specific splits. And then you look at the bullpens. I mean, the Cubs, 430 ERA in their bullpen. Philly, not the best bullpen, but they're at 367 with their ERA. So again, more reliable than the Cubbies. And that's when it's like, ah, maybe I look at first five. Maybe I do look at the full game for the Phillies. Justin Steele may get out in front in the first five, but then the Cubs can blow it in the latter half of the game. So it all kind of ties in together with all of those numbers for the teams and the individual pitchers. And then um, you got to factor in weather too, right? You got to see if the wind's blowing out, especially for us here in Chicago at Wrigley Field. If it's blowing out, that completely changes the dynamic of the game and how you're going to attack the total. So that's really the last part of it. And then I'll check, I'll, I'll kind of in my mind or write it down, where do I have this opening line? Correlate that with where the books opened it, see where it moves. And if I'm on the right path or I have a completely different number, then it depends how I bet it. If I have it one way and they're way off, then I'm like, oh, we think differently. Maybe I can take advantage. Or maybe I'm like, uh, maybe I need to reassess it myself. But it's kind of like a whole mini process game by game. But I'm not doing it for every game. I kind of get a general idea where there may be an advantageous spot. But yeah, it, it's been a process that started off just with the basics and kind of expands every single year into a very analytical and uh, yeah. statistical approach, I guess you could say, that most people wouldn't want to do. Well, that's, you know, that, that's why you're here, to drop that knowledge, part <laughs> one. Um, and it's, it's an analytical sport, right? Yeah. Baseball more so than the others. I mean, it's it's infiltrating all sports, but... Uh, it's it's never a bad betting strategy to get, you know, as analytical as you can to gather the information and uh, feel confident when submitting your wagers. It's I was just looking at a few, you know, random stats and and fun facts, I guess, if you will. One, Steele's never faced the Phillies for whatever that's worth. Um, and then two, for Gibson, his uh, strikeout to walk ratio, just over 4.3 against Chicago it's his best against any major league wow. uh, baseball team uh, seems to have had some success with his uh, K to walk ratio for whatever reason against the Cubbies in his uh, in his recent history so we'll see if that's any type of factor at all tonight yeah I uh I honestly think that's kind of a good thing to assess as well sometimes when you have these veteran pitchers even though the teams change from time to time there's some swagger that persists with these older guys in specific stadiums or against specific teams. And, yeah. hey, we're talking about betting the Phillies. That could be a reason that you could, again, maybe like the Phillies a little bit more so because of Gibson's success against his team, whatever it may be. But, uh, Ryan, I guess really quick before we move on, I did want to sneak in one question for you here about the Phillies. I was talking about these bullpens. Is, is this a Phillies bullpen in your eyes that has taken the steps forward to improve? Or is this still kind of a looming concern in those close games uh, when it comes down to the eighth and ninth innings? Is that something that still kind of scares you a little bit? I think, I think to a degree, yes, but to be, to be honest, they've, they've won me over and I think they've won a large portion of the fan base over as well. It's just, it hasn't been talked about a lot this year right. at all. It, especially as of late, I would say over the past, you know, six weeks, certainly since June 1st, really, especially since the Girardi firing and Rob Thompson um, stepped in as interim manager. And it's just, you know, I've talked about it in the past. It's just like a pressure valve was released. And and I think that 
trickled into the bullpen as well. There, there hasn't been uh, that next day after a game where we're talking about the bullpen and, uh, you know, right. why did they go here to close it out instead of there, whatever it may be. Uh, the guys seem to know their roles. They're pretty consistent. Thompson's consistent with who he goes to in, in uh, you know, each each potential spot and given scenario. So I think that's a big factor. Girardi was all over the board, mm-hmm. right? Like he would throw Brad Hand in the in the sixth one in one game and expect him to go an inning and a half. And then he'd put, put him in the eighth in like a two out high pressure situation. Like there was no rhyme or reason to his consistency. Rob Thompson has been uh, steady, Eddie, consistent as far as y- you know what's coming right if you're watching the game at home you know who he's going to and i think that's you know that's a small thing but that's a big thing uh and the bullpen has been staying out of our our topic list here in you know local sports radio and and just in in fan conversations in general so to answer your question uh as of right now knock on wood uh it's it's not really an issue i think the issues right now for this team that fans and myself included are concerned about. Obviously, the Bryce Harper injury. Uh, obviously, Nick Castellanos has been a disappointment production-wise. Right. They're still missing Gene Segura. So, like those things, they don't have a center fielder right now. Uh, starting rotation would feel a little bit better if they had one more reliable arm to go to, uh, especially with Eflin now missing some extended time, I think a little bit longer than we hoped him to miss. So, uh, starting pitching and the injuries. Like we're just waiting for that other shoe to drop. We're just hoping this ship stays afloat uh, until Bryce Harper gets back. Because if this team's able to be Danny five, six, seven games above five hundred, uh, when it's time for Bryce Harper to return, man, that's that's a huge agen- uh, adrenaline shot right to the jugular to get the NL reigning MVP back uh, in, in that type of situations. So that's what we're all obviously hoping for. Yeah, I you know obviously the Harper injury is huge. I for, I forgot about Segura too, and you know Eflin being kind of banged up definitely isn't ideal because you've gotten great efforts, you know, from Nola and Wheeler up to this point. Which not that it's it's a complete shock, but maybe to the extent of how great they're doing uh, came as a bit of a surprise. But you know I was talking about your Phillies and. I was looking at because when we were doing the all-star break, obviously you're kind of looking into the second half of the season. And, you know, I was saying how I get my numbers from fan graphs a lot. What they do is the strength of schedule and the projection for the chances to make the postseason. And I've told you, but I bet the Phillies before the year started to make the postseason because of all the talent they accumulated. And I did figure Castellanos would be doing a lot better. Like you're kind of waiting for, but I thought this team was pretty stacked and I still think they are obviously they're in a tough division but look fan graphs has them as about a 45 percent chance to make the playoffs and i know you and i were talking before we started recording but the last we saw at bet rivers the yes was even money to make it the no was about minus 125 so they're tied in that third wild card spot with st louis and 504 is their percentage for their strength the schedule which isn't too bad it's not it's not terrible they're tied for the easiest with the mets in in your guys division But the biggest thing that I wrote down is, will they be able to maintain success enough until Harper comes back on, as you were alluding to? And can your pitchers keep it strong? Being, can you keep relying on Nola and Wheeler to keep it up? And yes, I feel like you can speak more to it. You can ride 
their coattails to a certain extent. But when you're as close in a playoff race as you are, you need some of your lower guys to step up uh, in in kind of unexpected situations, I guess you could say. A hundred percent. I completely agree. And and you mentioned Wheeler and Nola. Wheeler's been spectacular, uh, you know, obviously deserving of the Cy Young, uh, NL Cy Young, at least deserving of his name being brought up. Right. I think that's a relatively obvious statement, but nonetheless, he's been great. Aaron Nola has been great, you know, as, at least for, for me, uh, because you never know what to expect from that guy, but he is, he's been awesome. Uh, and he's shut up some of his critics. I think the, the fear regarding Aaron Nola, you look at his numbers and I, I should have had these ready, but if you look at his exact numbers over the past two seasons in September, he's been bad. I mean, September hits regardless of the year he's having over the past three, four seasons with Nola, uh, and it just gets it gets shaky at best. He's he becomes very unreliable, inconsistent. And you're like, what the hell happened here? So, uh, all of us are hoping for that to uh, to not be a factor. Can Aaron Nola continue to do what he's doing all the way up until game 162, or are we going to get that roller coaster ride of Aaron Nola? Uh, once the month of September hits. So that's just another storyline to uh, to keep an eye on. But I, I like the Phillies at even money, uh, just to give you my thoughts. They were even plus 115 uh, about maybe seven to 10 days ago. Not a huge move, but nonetheless, a slight move in their favor as far as uh, you know betting odds to, to get into the postseason. So I still like them at even money. Uh, and we obviously hope that they're going to add some talent here before this August 2nd trade deadline yeah what what do you think they're going to add to their team is it going to be more in the pitching realm or do you think they're going to go with some uh you know just position players what do you think is the biggest necessity for them right now it's it's probably the most debated and talked about topic right now for the <laughs> phillies among some others but um the efflin news just to get back to that for a second um on sunday so five days ago now right before the the derby mm-hmm uh, it came out that it's not good. Eflin's knee is still swollen. They don't have a timetable for his return. So when you hear that, it's like, all right. I mean, he's not coming back in the next two to four weeks. Right. That's what it at least feels like right now. So that's another starter uh, that you don't have. They just got Ranger Suarez back right before the break. He was on the IL for 16 days. So like I mentioned, now you're short in your starting rotation. And I know Dombrowski is going to want to look to add an arm. Uh, and I would agree, right? I, I would agree. Now you're still missing Harper. You're still missing Segura. You would like a lot more from Castellanos. They certainly could use another bat and even a center fielder. That would be really nice. Um, but I think they, they could address both in some ways. Maybe one of the two won't be a huge, uh, you know, a huge acquisition. But I think the priority, if there is a clear one, is going to be to get, you know, a, a solid fourth or fifth guy in your starting rotation. Uh, I hope the Phillies look to do that. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of pitchers available, too, when you take a look at some of these teams that clearly aren't going to be in competition like we talked about for the postseason and teams that want to ship away some guys. I mean, you know, yeah. the, the Diamondbacks have some, you know, more veteran pitchers you could ship. I mean, the Oakland A's, Frankie Montas, you got to think is going to be a hot commodity come around the trade deadline. The Royals, eh, they have some guys. The Tigers really only have Scooball, I feel like, and they're probably not going to want to get rid of him. But there's definitely a good group that you could attack. And I, I think you're right. I mean, from the outside perspective, 
the Phillies do have a lot of talent. Obviously, you got to get healthy with some of your position players, but pitching is is probably where you can't get enough depth at this point in the season. Right. If your hitting's not happening, your hitting's not happening. But at least, you know, your pitching, you can hope, can keep you in the situations to get your bats to at least do enough. So that's where... Yeah, that would probably make more sense for Philly. And like you said, because of that injury, that probably gives you more of a push in that direction and makes it an easier option. And, you know, like like I said with the uh, adrenaline shot, not that this is okay and they're not going to do anything, but you go and add, you know, a, a solid guy to add to your rotation. That only helps with your depth overall. And then you're getting Bryce Harper back, right? Uh, you know, hopefully 7 to 14 days, give or take, after that August 2nd trade deadline. So th that's going to feel like, you know, a, a trade deadline acquisition. Obviously not literally, but uh, just to get Bryce Harper back in August after missing him for, you know, six, seven weeks, whatever the exact timeline will be, that's obviously going to be, a huge boost to this team in the clubhouse and obviously offensively with, uh, you know, production wise. Yeah, that'll be nice. No, that'll be great. Yep. You guys have something to look forward to. We really don't. So uh, I'm, I'm envious <laughs> of you uh, with your Phillies team in baseball. And look, Ryan, you know, you guys kind of got some hype in terms of football as well. You know, we got to squeeze some a uh, little bit of yeah. skin action in here, my man. But, hey, I I've had you on Rush Hour. We've talked about the Eagles in the NFC East, and it's always kind of a crapshoot. But I, you know, the Eagles I go back and forth with. I, I look at your guys' squad, and I was a big Jalen Hurts fan, you know, and you and I would talk about it last year or, you know, whatever it was when a lot of people would still be doubting him or maybe didn't want him as a starting quarterback. But I, I like the guy. He's versatile. He's a dual-threat quarterback. I don't necessarily know if I'd put him as a guy where I look at him and go, yeah, he's going to win you a playoff game. Of course he could get you there. We saw it last year. And you got some talent in the offseason. But, you know, has there been anything that has occurred, I guess, from the camps you've heard or just any big news in the offseason to where you as a fan and kind of as a guy who covers the team that goes, all right, this is why people should be thinking this way about the Eagles differently than they did the year prior? Yeah, it's it's a good question. I mean, it's listen, I, I, I discuss and answer these questions not in different ways, but uh, I can be classified as a Jalen hater here in Philadelphia, and, and that's that's the furthest thing from the truth. I love the kid. Um, you know, he was just holding a camp for youth for free uh, right outside the stadium last week. He just does great things in the community. He says all the right things. He has great character, work ethic, everything. And that's a big deal. Like, th those yeah. are big big intangibles that you want to see, uh, especially from a young kid that you hope to uh, grow into your franchise quarterback. So I'm rooting for him, and he's going to be able to win this team some games just with all of that uh, right. that he has, that he brings to the table. The, the one thing that's interesting for me is this division because the Cowboys' you know, number one offense with Dak Prescott when he's under center last year uh, they still have a ton of talent on paper, despite losing a couple big names. You know, what are they going to be? They always seem to be a, be a little bit of a letdown. Yeah. I also think Washington and New York, listen, they're not going to be 10-11 win teams here, but I just think they're going to be a little bit better than what the average public is giving them credit for. Uh, I've blasted Carson Wentz plenty in yeah, my same. time. Okay, <laughs> um, But when the dude's healthy... 
you know, he's a listen. He's a good quarterback. You, he can be, he may be a weirdo. He may not be a good leader. You look at his stats last year in Indy. I think twenty-seven and seven. Like the guy is good. Uh, the offensive line in Washington not very good. So we'll see how that plays out. But Washington can win seven, eight games. Maybe even maybe nine would certainly be their ceiling for me. Uh, you look at the Giants. What do they have at quarterback? You look at their new head coach, uh, Brian Dable, and he's at the top of the odds list, regardless of where you look, just in the market to win coach of the year. Uh, and, and when you have that, that typically means the team has a, an opportunity to, to uh, you know, overachieve at least their expectations. So long-winded answer there as far as the division's going to be, I think, a little bit more competitive. You can do what you want with that information. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm just curious to see what this Eagles team offensively is going to look like because last year they had to be not even just a run first, but just uh, running is their main priority for any type of success, which is fine. One of, if not the best offensive lines in the NFL. What are they going to do now with A.J. Brown, year two under Jalen, Nick Sirianni passed the uh, play-calling duties over to Shane Steichen, the offensive coordinator, which I think is a good move, not saying that in a bad way. Um, so just a bunch of little things. What is their identity going to be? What steps are Jalen going to take uh, with his progression from an individual standpoint? And like I've told you on Rush Hour, those are big questions, right, for me to be asking for your starting quarterback. So I'm hearing a ton of noise. The Eagles can be your sleeper team, you know, in the futures market. They're the team that people maybe only think can win nine games. They can maybe get to 11 or 12. I don't disagree with any of that. But I need to see it from Jalen, yes. uh, particularly in the month of September and October. Um, so I, I'm staying away from like the overplay on their win total, nine and a half at Bet Rivers. Uh, I think they are a playoff team, but that's about as as much credit as I can give them right now, just because there's there's too much uncertainty in the most important areas of a football team in in my mind, Danny. Yeah, I, I think you hit it perfectly, and. I wonder what our conversation would be about this team if they did not make the postseason last year. I feel like because they did that and it was Hurts' first full season and, you know, Sirianni is a first-time head coach, the only assumption you can have, especially what they did in the offseason, is that they're going to go up. And you're doing a great job of not, I feel like, letting that kind of persuade you and just going as a diehard Eagles fan, like, oh, they're for sure making the playoffs. It's going right. to be great. Another year under the helm, right? It'll only get better. No, there are some legitimate concerns. They somehow snuck into the postseason. It, it was crazy because a lot of people pegged them as a team that could have the worst uh, record in the league last year, and they were kind of back and forth, and then they found their way in. So I think it's really smart kind of what you're doing to not let that affect your thought process and go, no, there are still a lot of question marks with this team. And like you also mentioned, a division that could be more competitive. I mean, with the Giants, I'm never going to trust them until they get a different quarterback. I mean, Daniel Jones yeah. just is not it, and we can be brutally honest about that, which pretty much everybody is. But they do have a lot of surrounding talent with the receivers and with Saquon Barkley. Can their offensive line get better? Can their defense get better? Still questions they have. And you're right about Carson Wentz. I, I love giving the guy crap for whatever reason because he really has not <laughs> been that good, but he is at least serviceable if he has some time. And the commanders also have some okay weapons around him if you know they can stay healthy Gibson McLaurin uh, they've got some decent guys as well so yeah I think it'll be a little bit tougher I don't think it'll be a cakewalk 
Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I just think you're right. Can the Eagles win the big games? Can Hurts be a consistent, accurate passer? I, and I love dual threat quarterbacks, but I feel like it's just not something you can solely rely on. Like Lamar right. Jackson maybe is the one quarterback you can look at and go, okay, this guy, if he just runs a crap ton of times, we can get away with that. But even a guy like Kyler Murray, you've seen him get banged up and he made sure he secured the bag because he knows that he has to run a lot of times to create success, but that hasn't given him enough success in terms of the long run. A lot of that goes with Cliff Kingsbury, but you you get my <laughs> point, right? I mean, you want Jalen yes. Hurts to develop more into a steady pocket passer. Him being able to run, awesome. Like you want the mix of Russell Wilson to where he can run if need be, but the first option should be you throwing the ball downfield. 100%. 100%. I, I want to get your thoughts on the Bears quickly. But before we get your thoughts, I just want to add to that because I think you bring up a lot of great points. There's a difference between being a dual threat quarterback and a running quarterback. Right. Right, like Russell Wilson, I look at him as dual threat. Aaron Rodgers, dual threat. Patrick Mahomes, dual threat. I know I'm mentioning like guys that are going to go down as some of the greatest of all time, but like still, that's not the point here. Uh, you look at Lamar Jackson, guy won NFL MVP. He's not in ESPN's top ten rankings right. of of the top ten quarterbacks. Whatever, it's it's a it's a ranking, you know, of just a, another poll, but it does count for something to the point of these guys who have relied on this talent that is significant, uh, that has helped them have success, whether it be in college, high school, even early in their NFL years, it's just an instinct it, for them to fall back to that when in trouble, when the pocket collapses, when their first look isn't there, they're going to tuck it and get six, seven yards because right. uh, that's what's gotten them success. But then you fast forward to December, January, they're beaten up. Uh, if, if you're lucky, they're beaten up yes. and they're you know limping – uh, as the starting quarterback, uh, and and they struggle to make the throws uh, when a a playoff game rolls around, and the defensive coordinator, who's one of the better ones in the league, they're there for a reason, uh, has a week to game plan for you, and they say, all right, you know, we're going to put eight in the box. That's mm -hmm. what Todd Bowles did last year against uh, Jalen, and they said, you know, we we beg you and dare you to beat us with your arm, and my goodness, he he couldn't even come close to giving you any type of signs of positivity. So uh, that goes back to my uncertainty and, and, you know, cautionary optimism, I guess, if I want to be, uh, if I want to be kind. Yeah. And again, you're right. I mean, and, and that's the good thing about talking about it with someone like you, you're going to be harsh, but fair at the same time, where I'm <laughs> sure a lot of Eagles fans maybe don't have the same mentality and they're just all gung ho about this team, which yeah. good for you. You should be, you should have hope right. and optimism with your team, but maybe have some reservations because Jalen Hurts is a unique quarterback. I still have faith in the guy. Don't get me wrong. I'm rooting yeah. for him too. But uh, again, yeah, can he utilize the great receivers that he now has available to him? That's what it's going to come down to. Absolutely. So let's, let's get your thoughts uh, as we wrap this up. Let's end it on the Bears. All right. Um, <laughs> you look at their, their playoff odds right now. Yes, for Chicago, 4-1. to one, uh, Their win total set at 6.5, I believe, with the over at plus 115. Uh, give us give us all the insight and your outlook on the Chicago Bears this season. Oh, man. Um, you know, I could go in forever on it, obviously, as you could with your teams, too. But the, the thing about the Bears coming into this year, and I always try to make myself clear on this, because honestly, seldom am I talking on the rather highly side of a Bears team, but I'm actually going to give them a little bit more 
the benefit of the doubt here, then pretty much everybody is discussing. You know, the first thing is that everybody's saying the Bears don't have any weapons. They didn't get any big-name guys in the offseason. Well, Ryan, you look at this team last year. Who the hell did they have on offense to help them out? Allen Robinson? Allen Robinson was the easiest underbet I've ever made in my life for him and his receiving yards. He was non-existent. Heck, he gave up on a play blocking where Justin Fields was running down the field on primetime football against the Packers. The dude wanted out. You know what? You can't blame him, but... You know, Bears fans are kind of salty because he gave up on this team. Did he have good situations? No, but still, come on, dude. You know, it's a rookie quarterback. Yeah. It's not his fault. Um, so you lose Allen Robinson, whoop de do. You get Darnell Mooney, who emerged as your wide receiver one last year. Is he a wide receiver one on any other team? No, but on the Bears, he is, and he's good enough to do that. You get Byron Pringle, one of the fastest guys in the NFL. That's a type of receiver you absolutely need in this day and age. Um, you get Vellis Jones Jr. out of the draft. We don't know what to expect out of him, but he's a big body guy out of Tennessee. He was one of the oldest guys in the draft, so maybe he can transition easier, have some more maturity. And you just got in Keel Harry from the Patriots. This move the needle probably not for, you know, 30 other teams, but for the Bears, it does. I mean, and Keel Harry was a great player in college. He was a first-round pick. He didn't pan out with the Patriots. But I was kind of saying, look, you know, a change of scenery could, of course, do really well for him. Maybe you have higher pressure under Bill Belichick. And I don't know. You know, he went through a couple quarterbacks, right? Mac Jones, Cam Newton, not the best consistency for him. So hopefully he gets a little boost in that arena from coming to the Bears with another young quarterback and a lot less pressure. And the tight end situation, the Bears have 83 tight ends. But now is the year to finally emerge for the hometown native Cole Komet. This is his season to shine. He is a great player. He has not gotten consistent reps. And when he has, yeah, he had some dropping issues. But I think if he gets more looks this year, which he should, he will be a force. So to me, the Bears have more weapons offensively, especially with the offensive line. That is damn near impossible to get worse from what it was last year. They literally had to call Jason Peters while he was on a fishing trip in retirement to come be their best offensive lineman last season. And Justin Fields was running for his life on every other play. In the backfield, he's still got Montgomery. Herbert emerged as a great running back. So those are two really good tailback options. Incompetency. That's the biggest thing. Matt Nagy put Fields in the worst possible position. I don't care who is quarterback out of that draft class, rookie draft class. They would have been just as bad statistically as Justin Fields. But another thing with that offense, Ryan, you know, if you're if you watched every Bears game last year, you should be looking at Fields and having an incredible amount of hope, realizing how high his ceiling is. Because were his numbers good? No, but the plays that he made that were great were more than great. They were magnificent because you realize how bad the play calling was from Nagy and how atrocious the offensive line was. So for the fact that he was still able to make some magic happen, it's just a miracle. So that's why I still have so much confidence in this guy, whereas everybody outside of Chicago still goes, oh, there's a big question mark on fields. We don't know what to expect. And I get it. I, I, I do. If you didn't watch every single play, like a lot of us Bears fans did, I would have those same reservations. But this guy with a hopefully better offensive line and play calling with Luke Getze from the Packers, there's no way he doesn't take a step forward. He's a dual threat quarterback, but he himself has said he wants to be more of a passer. He wants to be that type of quarterback and I think he'll get there will his numbers be crazy this year no but they're going to be good enough to go yeah this Bears team next year can be a playoff team because they're going to have the number one cap space and hopefully again they just look like a progressing team 
But the point is, long story short, they will at least be competitive in a lot of these games. They lost a lot on the defensive side. They drafted their first two guys in the secondary. So hopefully they're not Swiss cheese back there like they have been. Look, at the end of the day, it's just the coaching is hopefully going to be the biggest difference here. And they will be playing till the very end. And they also have a really favorable schedule, too. Like, you play the Jets, Giants, and the Falcons on the road, and the Texans, I think, you get at home. And there's just a lot of situations like that to where it could be winnable games. So for the fact that the price is plus money to the over 6.5, I'm not saying I'm betting it. But if I had to bet it, I would actually look to the over, assuming the most they could get is 7 wins because of the price and because, again, people everywhere are underrating them. And, again, I'm not saying they're going to be a playoff team, but they're going to be more competitive competitive than the odds makers and the public perception is leading you to believe. So I, I think this year we'll actually be excited to wake up on Sundays and realize <laughs> that are the bears going to win a lot of games? No, but they'll have an opportunity to be in a lot of games and make it competitive. And you will see your future quarterback, Justin Fields thrive. Oh, sorry. Now, got choked yeah, up and, a little and bit we'll end on this <laughs> is, is he, and great stuff, dude. Great. Do, is he the future quarterback? I, and not, if you believe he's the future quarterback, but I guess how important is this season now for Fields? Is the franchise saying, all right, he has to he has to win this job? Or do you think they're already leaning with, you know, as long as he stays the course, as you mentioned, he's the guy? A hundred percent, he's got to be the guy. There hasn't been a guy at all. Jay Cutler was the pseudo guy, yeah. but he didn't really pan out. But that's the last stable, I guess you could call, quarterback that the <laughs> Bears have had. And Trubisky clearly did not work out. So good luck in Pittsburgh. It, the most infuriating argument is the Nagy versus Trubisky debate. Look, they both stunk at the end of the day. Did Nagy help out Trubisky? No. But was Trubisky a good quarterback? No. He no. can't throw it accurately past 10 yards. But the point is, Justin Fields has to be your guy. I don't know why there was all these speculations and rumors that he could be traded or whatever. Complete nonsense. I, I get it's a new coaching staff and front office in the mix, and it's not technically their guy. But who else are you going to get out there? I mean, even in this upcoming draft class, if the Bears are one of the worst teams, there's no one spectacular coming out. I think, and look, this is me being a little bit bullish on the Bears, but on yesterday's CityCast, I was looking at the draft class in the NFL, and I was saying the only guy I would take over Justin Fields right now is Trevor Lawrence, because Trevor Lawrence was an arguably just as bad, if not worse, of a situation, and still was a really productive quarterback. Zach Wilson, unproven. Uh, Trey Lance, we saw a small sample size of him. He didn't really look that accurate. He's a dual threat guy, but he barely played in college the year prior, played in a couple games last year. Who the hell knows what to expect out of him? Uh, Mac Jones, that's the argument, of course, you can make, but the thing with Mac Jones is I feel like he's limited with his skill set. He is a good quarterback. He's not going to lose you games, but I don't think he has that extra kind of uh, just spark to make you an over-the-top playoff winning team. I think the Patriots are going to take a step back this season, but the point is Justin Fields, if he can get the competency and some time, his ceiling will skyrocket this season and we'll be having a different conversation surrounding him. And yeah, he's got to be quarterback number one after trading up for him. I love it. I love it. Uh, Danny, great stuff, man. I had fun. I could do this with oh, you yeah. for another hour, you but as I guess well, we brother. should wrap up at some point. <laughs> yeah, always love it. I know. You and I can keep going on and on and on. I know. But, uh, we'll have to save some content as we're still getting through the summer months here that uh, we'll, we'll, we'll have to link up once again once we get closer to the start of the season.
Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That's that's a fact. We'll definitely link up uh, as we get closer into fall or early fall, whatever, whenever it may be. So, uh, Danny, I appreciate it, my friend. It's been fun crossing it over and, and we'll talk soon. Yeah, absolutely, my man. You take care. Uh, excellent stuff there from Danny, as we mentioned. I mean, I can just uh, probably could have gone another hour chatting it up with Danny on any sport, all sports, Philly, Chicago, or see other whatever it is i i always have fun with him just like we do with all of our guests here on the philadelphia city cast so thank you as always for tuning in hope you enjoyed this one uh enjoy the rest of your friday best of luck on all your bets especially if you're wagering phillies cubs later today uh and be on the lookout for our next episode give me a follow on twitter like i said to start the show at wise rye for links to all of the platforms we're available to you on whether it's apple Podcasts, spotify google pods and links to each and every individual episode we put out there. Have a great rest of your weekend, and I'll see you on the next episode of the Philadelphia CityCast presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Peace. Baseball is here, and Bet Rivers has a special offer for you every Saturday throughout the entire baseball season. Place a three-leg, same-game parlay of at least $25, and you will earn a $10 free bet. With same game parlays, you can combine player props and game bets to make your perfect combo. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Claim your offer on the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com. Presented by Bet Rivers Casino Pittsburgh, must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler.